but amen. Hey, uh, this morning or this evening, turn with me to Exodus chapter 40, verse 34. I just want to give a brief word before we go right back into worship. Uh, so far tonight, we have worshipped and we've uh, prayed over our missionaries. And then in a sense, we've accepted the Great Commission uh, to, to say, God, use us, send us. We're praying for the lost to come in. And how many people know that one man with God is the majority, right? One man or woman with God is in the majority. And uh, tonight, I want you to know your prayers and your participation and your attendance here make a difference. It's not whatever we, it's not just so much what we're going to see tonight happen in the Holy Spirit, but what we're going to see in the coming days, weeks, and months, and years begin to happen in our local church community and hopefully around the globe. Uh, because I believe God honors a mission-minded people. Uh, and He promises certain things to a people who are mission-minded. And uh, I want to talk tonight a little bit, uh, add on to this morning, part of our journey series. Uh, and I want to talk about when the Spirit comes. When the Spirit comes, part of our mission Sunday. But I'm going to pray real quick. Father God, tonight I pray you would speak. God, in this, this, this brief word, Lord, that you would move in this prayer meeting, God, that the Holy Spirit would come down, not just for us, but for the whole world, for those that we have influence and connection with, God, for those, Lord, in our church, in our community, God, that those that hear this message online, Lord, the Holy Spirit would be tangibly uh, uh, present in their life right now where they are, Lord, and God, that you would begin to move in ways, God, that, Lord, you've done long ago. God, you promised to continue to do the same thing and even greater things you'd begin to do because, God, that you are soon coming. And, God, we're, it's time to get energetic. It's time to get fired up, Lord. Uh, it's time to shrug off all the things that easily entangle us, God, and press forward for the goal, for the upward call of Jesus Christ. And if by any means we attain it, push off everything else and run that race with endurance, God. And so, God, may we be stirred up tonight, not in an emotional response, not in a, uh, an intellectual response, but, God, in a spiritual response uh, to the move and call of God. Uh, let it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to just parallel two things this evening, just on the tabernacle and the church. Uh, tonight, uh, we, we talked this morning in our previous uh, sermon about how the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God came down at the meeting when Moses... Uh, and Israel accepted the commission of God to be that kingdom of priests. And when they received the Ten Commandments, and when they repented of their idolatry, God renewed the covenant of Israel, uh, the, the, the covenant He had with Israel. And the Holy Spirit, after they built the tabernacle, and people got so excited, people had to be restrained from giving. The Bible says that they just began giving even their signet rings, and everyone who saw the plan for their tabernacle which is the dwelling place of God. They were so excited that God wanted to dwell in the midst of them and create an identity in them and that He was their Father and He had delivered them out of slavery. He had so moved them, mind, body, heart, and soul, they could not help but get all in. And they enjoyed it. And they had to be held back for their zeal and excitement that God would still want to dwell in the midst of a people like us. And that's missions. That's right there. And let's look at that moment. I just want to look at the moment that the Holy Spirit came down and filled the place. Can we do that tonight? Exodus chapter 40, verse 34. If you're there, somebody say amen. amen. All right. Moses finished the work of erecting the tabernacle and purifying the priests. In verse 34. 
Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, that's the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all of their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day when it was taken up. For throughout all of their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle uh, by day, and there was fire in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel. I'm just going to give you four things on this and four things on the church. There was glory, there was something hidden, there was proof, and there was a guide. And I'm just going to kind of just talk this out with us this evening before we get back into worship and prayer. Is uh, The first part of this I want you to understand is there was glory. There was glory. There was a tangible awe-inspiring Shekinah glory of God that came down. And how many people know that God's glory is awesome? It's, it's this tangible presence. The word Shekinah for glory, the Shekinah glory of God means the dwelling presence of God. The presence that was willing to dwell among them, that, that dwelling presence of heaven came down to dwell in the midst of a, of a sinful, corrupt people, really. And He was willing to do that. And it was a dwelling presence of God. But why was it a dwelling God desired to make Israel into the people of God. And today, God desires to dwell inside of you and I and this church and our kids and our youth and this whole church that we call Gina, Louisiana, Central Louisiana. God is willing to dwell among us to make us into His people. And we don't become His people so we get the dwelling. We get the dwelling so we become His people. I'll say that again. You don't become the people of God to get the dwelling of God. You get the dwelling of God to become the people of God. It's the religion would say, do this, do this, do this to be holy. But God says, I'll make you holy and you'll be this, be this and be this. Amen. And so we're tonight seeking only the presence of God. That's all we want. There is only one solution to the havoc that's in Gina, Louisiana. That's just the presence of God. There's nothing else. Uh, we, Jesus Christ has come. He's done the work. It was finished. Now we just need the presence of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, good. We're all together on the same page. So through Israel, God would bless the nations as He promised Abraham. And He wanted a people that would be His possession and proclaim His excellence and redemptive power. So there was glory. However, the glory was hidden. It says it came in a cloud. Why? That cloud concealed that tabernacle, and the glory was, of God was in the cloud and, and behind the cloud. And God was with them, but it was in a cloud. It was this mystic divine presence, uh, and God was near, but He was veiled. He was veiled behind walls of religion because no immoral, imperfect man like myself could see the presence of God and live. The word presence of God actually means face of God. No man can see the face of God and live. No man, that means no man can see the unfiltered presence of God and live. That's what the rule is. He is so holy. He's so majestic. He's so awe-inspiring and powerful. You would just die at seeing the presence of God. When Lot's wife turned and looked the other way, it was the presence and the glory of God really that came down and absorbed all those people into fire because the presence of God, consuming fire of God, uh, casts out sin. And she literally turned into the salt of her flesh, right? And so she became a pillar of salt because you can't look at the unfiltered presence of God and live. Now think about that, the power of that. So God in His grace 
put them put himself behind the veils of the religion of the tabernacle and then when his presence came down he was in a massive cloud too so that they could not see so he was hidden but also not was he hidden though there was glory he was hidden but there was also proof even though he was veiled they knew he was there how because the cloud descended because there was all uh, there was lightning and flashes and fire and cloud and this big thing just came down. We can't even imagine what it looked like, just like it was on the Mount uh, of Sinai. And it was proof that God's visible, tangible presence was there. It says by day there was a cloud, by night there was fire. And even at those at the edge of the camp who were far away, remember two million people spread out of a cost of a desert. Okay, so this isn't just like, this is... The, 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 you got to walk through two million people, say you're on the edge to get to it. You could still know, is God among us or not? You look over. Yep, I see Him. Something's going on over there at that dwelling, that dwelling place. God's still there. I see a cloud, this big tornado funneling down with fire and smoke in it, and there's something going on in God's house. Mm. Today, there needs to be something going on in God's house. There needs to be a tangible demonstration of His presence that even those that are on the outlying of the church, those that only show up once every other month, can say, something's going on down there in the people of God. There's something going on that God is moving. The presence of God is still real. They saw something striking, unusual, unexpected. Even people could not ignore it. There was glory. It was hidden, though, but it was still a proof. And lastly, Numbers chapter 9, verse 15 tells us in another way it's written to tell us that on that day the tabernacle was erected, the cloud covered the tabernacle, this tent of the testimony. In the evening it was like an appearance of fire over the tabernacle, and it lasted until morning. And it was so continuously, the cloud would cover it by day and appearance by fire by by night. And when the cloud was lifted over the tent, afterwards the Son of Israel would then set out and the place where the cloud would then later settle down and the sons of Israel would camp there. And so what it happens is it became this guide. The presence of God began to guide them through the wilderness journey. And then so uh, Numbers 9, 18 through 23 tells us the cloud may linger in a place for a day. They'd stay there for a day. It may linger there for a few days. Sometimes it lingered there for up to a year. And they would stay there for a year. But when any morning, when the cloud began to move on, they'd pack up their bags and go. And so this guide was unpredictable. And, and it not only was it unpredictable, though, but it was still yet a comfort. In the, in the wilderness, when you had no walls of protection, no, you had no city fortress, but you had this tornado of fire. And so let me tell you, if you're an invading army and you see that they have a tornado of fire on their side, you probably will think twice about invading the camp of Israel, right? I don't have a tornado of fire in my arsenal because we just have arrows and swords and chariots. But when they have a tornado of fire, I'm going to think, wow, God's probably over there and I'm not going to mess with those people. So there was comfort. And by day, that pillar of fire would cast, or that cloud would cast a shadow and they would have that comfort and rest to know that God's presence was with them. So you look at all of this and it's a perfect parallel to the church. Now look with me in Acts chapter 2. Turn there with me. The Spirit of God, however, even though it was a comfort, it would still come and go. It would come and go. 
And today we see these same things happening at the coming of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit. We see glory at the coming of Christ. The Bible says that when we all fallen short of the glory of God, that the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. We lost the glory. We couldn't experience the glory anymore as Gentiles. We, the religion separated us. But then the glory of God came in the form of a man, the Word of God, Jesus. So we behold His glory. And by faith, Romans uh, tells us in chapter 3, verse 24, that we were justified through the redemption in Christ. So we, uh, at the coming of Christ, even the angels said what? Glory in the highest. Right? And so glory comes down when the coming of Jesus... Uh, and no longer is there anything hidden. While the cloud had hid God in His presence, Jesus comes and says, hey, this is what my Father is like. This is what His Word is towards you. This is what His heart is towards you. And Matthew 13 tells us that Jesus came and revealed the mysteries of the kingdom to us. Uh, and John 1.18 says that He explained to us the Father's good intention and the Father's will. No longer were we separated from God, that God actually came and walked in the midst of our camp. Isn't that amazing? Just to think about that for a second. Before you couldn't look at Him, you would die. Then it says the glory of God became manifested and walked in our midst. Okay, now think about how important Jesus is then. And it says in Jesus Christ now, Hebrews 13.10, that we have an altar from which those who served at the tabernacle have no right to eat. Because it was far better than what the tabernacle had offered Israel when Jesus Christ has come and He has died for us. And so no longer is God's, uh, God hidden or separated. No longer does anything veil the presence of God. And now you and I, if we accept Christ, can go boldly into the presence of God. Uh, Hebrews 4 says, we can come boldly and enter into the throne of grace to find our help in a time of need because of Christ. So there's the glory manifested. Ephesians 3.12 says this, we have boldness and confidence and access through the, to the presence of God through faith in Christ. Now think about this. Christ comes, fulfills all the religion. He unveils the cloud. He separates the... When He dies on the cross, He breaks... Uh, God uh, rips the veil, right? And unseparates us all. Jesus Christ comes in and says, now you can go in boldly into that tabernacle. And you can go up and touch the mercy seat. And you can find help when you need it. Now, that's powerful. Before, you could just stand at a distance and say something's going on over there. But now, you can walk past the two million people, part open the, the tabernacle walls, pass up Moses, walk straight in because Jesus Christ has already spread His blood, and you can just touch mercy. Isn't that awesome? So when people say, oh, yeah, I know what the cross is. Oh, I know. Yeah, thank you. Amazing grace. And they just want to go to church and get some coffee and go home. They don't get it. There is something amazing about the glory and the revelation of Jesus Christ that should astound us, church. We've got it made. We've got it made. And so we've got glory. We've got revelation. And now we have proof. The world wants to see proof. That God is alive and well. Let me tell you, there was a moment in Acts chapter 2 where men didn't have to question whether or not God was alive and well any longer. At the coming of the Spirit. So that we find ourselves in Acts chapter 2 in a similar encounter as in the tabernacle. And so having accepted the Great Commission, just like Israel accepted the commission to be the people of God, we fast forward. The disciples now accept the commission to be the people of Jesus Christ. And they accept the commission. They go and they fast and pray ten days in an upper room waiting for the Spirit of God to come down, which Jesus had promised. 
which would make them into the people of God. He says in Acts 1.8 that power would come upon you to be witnesses. All right? And so the same thing that Moses told them. When you, if you listen and obey God, you'll be a royal priesthood. You'll be a holy nation. You'll be God's possession to be a light into the world. And so he says, all right, church, I've made it through. You can go boldly into the throne of grace. Now you need to wait for the descent, just like Moses did. Moses built the tabernacle. He put the dwelling place in place. He's the Christ figure for Israel. Jesus set forth the church. He builds it. When he dies, rises from the dead. He builds it. He shed his blood. He paved access to the mercy seat. Now he says, now wait till God fills it. So wait till God descends upon the church just like he did back then. And so we find this moment. So they were at this Feast of Pentecost, which is the Feast of Harvest. And it's actually, while we think of it as the, it's a last day's harvest kind of ceremony that they're celebrating, big national feast, right? But Jews at the time of Jesus, you know what they were celebrating at the Feast of Pentecost? They were celebrating when God came down on Mount Sinai. That's what they were celebrating. It was remembering the command, the command and the commission God had given them. Well, they had veiled it in religion. They'd forgotten about it. But in, in that place on Mount Zion in that day when they're celebrating God coming down, Acts chapter 2 tells us God really did come down again. And he says, On the day of Pentecost they had come. They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a rushing violent wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves as they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit was giving them the utterance. That is a prophetic encounter by God, calling them to be prophets of God, people who would say, Thus saith the Lord in a day such as today. It wasn't so much about the tongues, while that was a great thing, and it was a sign to unbelievers. But more than that, God was filling them like He filled Moses. Even better. And in that moment, God comes down just like He did and fire begins to light up on them. And that cloud descends in that place, that wind. And that right after this happens, you know what happens? 3,000 people of all nations get saved because the Holy Spirit came down and filled the temple, which was that 120 people who was the first church. You and I are the temple of God. We have a responsibility to be filled by God. That's who we are. That's what makes us the temple of God is to be filled by God. I'm not talking about where you can check off the box, I spoke in tongues. I'm talking about that I have the indwelling, tangible presence of the glory of God living inside of me, and I know that I know that I know I feel God's presence every day, that I'm walking in His presence, I'm talking in His presence. And so today, just like in Israel, our children are on the edge of our church. These semi-regular attenders are on the edge of our church. Our youth are on the edge of our church looking at the adults today and saying, I wonder if something's going on. Can they see that over in the distance, do they see, you know, that, that cloud is swirling around. The presence of God is activated in those people. I see the fire consuming them. I see something's going on in this church. I want my daughter who while we're going to be here, as long as the Lord would have us to be here, hopefully for a while, that she could grow up in a church that says there's something going on 
in this church. The presence of God is descending, is present in this church. Our youth would say, you know what? I'm not just waiting for Wednesday night for something to happen. I know that on Sunday morning, if I show up at sanctuary, that I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit because something's going on. These adults are really engaged in seeking the presence of God. That's my prayer. Anybody else? Okay. Do we have proof of the Holy Spirit in our midst? They asked, Israel had asked in the wilderness at the, at the place of water where God, uh, Moses would strike the rock. You know what the question they asked at uh, Masa and Meribah was? Is God really among us? They had to seek a sign. People on the edge of that camp, they're looking. They had no, they had no question. They had to ask no, no longer, is God among us or not? I don't want our kids to have to wonder, is God real? I don't want my kid to have to wonder, is God real? I want them to know, to know, to know. That when they come into a Sunday morning worship at Sanctuary Family Worship Center, the presence of God is tangible. The presence of God is real. That I know God exists. When they meet in small groups, when we meet in kids' church, when we meet in uh, in Bible studies, does the Spirit of God move us? Is there evidence? And do we, not only that, do have a community impact because of it? When the Spirit of God came down, they changed the nations in the same day. Just in that day, 3,000 people of all nations who were there celebrating and seeking for God experienced the tangible presence of God. And so there is proof today that the presence is here and there's a guide with us always. And He's the comforter, Jesus says, that He doesn't forsake us as we go, that He would be, uh, Jesus said He'd be with us always. He sends the Holy Spirit to be with us and in us. And that also that the life, Paul says, there should be a life in the Spirit, that we should live born again in the Spirit and walk and obey the Spirit. Just like the children of God had to be led by the Spirit of God, Romans 8.14 says that the children of God shall be led by the Spirit of God. And it should be unpredictable. Our lives should not be so predictable that we would have to just know that, hey, church is on Sundays, Christmas is on the 25th, this is how church looks, we pay our tithes, we don't cuss, we don't watch rated R movies, we go home. Kids, go to soccer practice. For many kids growing up in America today, that is good Christian parenting. Let me tell you something. Good Christian parenting is when God says, give $10,000 out of your savings account to a missionary, you do it. Good Christian parenting is saying, honey, we don't do those things, we don't participate in those things because we're going to pray tonight for those lost people. Or, or honey, we're, going to sac- we're not going to you know, do Christmas because the Lord moved up on our family to give to this. Or, honey, we're going to go out and we're, I just want you to see Daddy as we go to McDonald's and we're going to talk to this lady over here across the way and, and I'm going to talk to her about Jesus. That's good Christian parenting. It's when the Holy Spirit is unpredictable in our lives and we say, God, if I see your Spirit moving to the right, I'm going to the right. God, if you're moving to the left, I'm going to the left. And God, that if you say jump, I'm going to jump. If you say, uh, God, swim, I'm going to swim. God, whatever it is, if you say give, I'm going to give. Me and my family, we're Spirit-led. Spirit-led. And so long, church has been predictable. We've placed obedience for tradition. God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. God, I've never seen it happen that way before. But they literally had to get up every day and say, God, is he there? Yep, he's there. Okay. Go back to what we're doing. And go, oh, it's lunchtime. Yep, he's still over there. Oh, oh, wait a minute, wait. He's moving. Hurry up, pack the house, get the kids, put them in the car. Let's go. That, that's what it was every day that you and I as a family, we'd wake up and say, God, what do you want to do today? 
Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak today? Holy Spirit, where do you want me to go today? As I drive down the road, Holy Spirit, what should I do? Who should I talk to? Holy Spirit, where are you at? What do you want my life engaged in? Holy Spirit, here's my finances. Have them. Holy Spirit, here's my attitude. Have it. Holy Spirit, here's my, here's my, uh, my marriage. Have this. Holy Spirit, here's where I live. Here's what I drive. Here's what I drink. Here's what I eat. Holy Spirit. That's a little radical, though. A little bit radical, Pastor Heath. I don't know if I can do that. No, you can't. But God can in you. We're not asking anything tonight. You know, I can't baptize a single person in the Holy Spirit. I can baptize you in your water, but I can't baptize you in the Holy Spirit. But when we become a place, you say, God, I'm willing to be a dwelling. God, I'm willing to be a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit that you might use me to reach the nations. The Bible says He loves to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. He loves to fill those vessels who say, God, if you can use anything, you can use me. Amen. Here's what I want us to do tonight. Worship team, would you come? We're going to just begin. I'm throwing paper everywhere. We're going to begin to just press in and worship. And uh, whether to, I don't, wherever you are tonight, here's what I'm just going to say. Allow the Lord just to move deeper in you. Allow the Lord to receive the glory in you. But I want us to begin, as they sing these songs, I want us to begin to intercede.